When we cover the, the subject of the discipline of children, immediately there are a few misgivings that usually arise when we hear or study or seek to know about the discipline of children. May I mention a few of them, and then we will begin our study under the topics that we have chosen to cover. Uh, one, situa- well, one excuse or objection people raise is that my situation is different. My situation is not like your situation. So there is no universal, absolute, biblical, scriptural prescription to deal with my situation because mine is different than yours. And even the Bible, if the Bible is used, will apply differently to me than to you. Another objection is, well, my upbringing, my upbringing, my background, my childhood, my upbringing is different than yours. And because my upbringing is different than yours, I view it differently than you do, and the way I look at discipline is different than the way you look at discipline. Another objection is parents. Parents. Well, my parents didn't teach me that. My parents didn't do it, and I turned out fine. So why is it that we think, or we think the Bible teaches, uh, an absolute, consistent, universal application of discipline? Because my parents didn't do it. Another thing with parents is, well, I don't know what to do. I'm completely at a loss of what to do because my parents didn't teach me anything. Now the parents are blamed for not teaching anything. So that means that we can, on our own, on our own wisdom, willy-nilly, say, well, my parents didn't teach me, so I'm doing the best I can. Don't bother me on the subject. Another objection is culture. Well, in my culture, in my culture, we don't do that. In my culture, we do it a different way. So why are we contradicting culture? Are, are you uh, against my culture? Are you against my race? Why are you talking that way? Well, no, we're just trying to explain what Scripture says. We're not against people's culture if the culture is consistent with Scripture to the extent that any culture around the world, any culture is contrary to Scripture, we have to contradict it. We have to go with Scripture. (coughs) Another objection is personalities. Well, you don't understand. You don't understand. Well, my son has a different personality than your son. My daughter has a different personality than your daughter. So based on personality, that's how I judge how discipline should take place among my children. How it should take place individually based on the unique personalities of our children. Then that becomes an excuse to avoid the biblical way. So these are just a handful, and there are many more objections people raise, but you understand, you get the drift that excuses cannot be made, should not be made. We need to know what Scripture says because what Scripture says is heavenly wisdom. It's what God says. It's what He has given to us for our livelihood, for our daily living. Everything is based on Scripture. Is this not the doctrine 
preached in 2 Timothy 3:16 and 17. 2 Timothy 3:16 and 17 teaches us the doctrine of the sufficiency, adequacy of scripture. Scripture will tell us what we need to do in every aspect of life in dealing with spiritual, moral, ethical matters. 3:16 All scripture is inspired by God and profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, for training in righteousness, that the man of God may be adequate, equipped for every good work. When we ignore Scripture, or if we scoff at Scripture, then we are saying Scripture is not inspired. Scripture is not God's wisdom that leads to salvation. 3.15 teaches that. And scripture is inadequate to help me deal with my issues, my problems, or specifically in the discipline of my own children. So none of these excuses are valid because the Bible says it is given to us to help all of us on every subject of life. Keeping that in mind, we present Six subheadings to deal with the subject of the discipline of children. And we'll announce them. And the pattern will be for Mr. Ibarra, Gustavo Ibarra, to mention each of the headings in turn during our six lessons. And he will present a a scriptural reference and a comment, a brief comment about each reference. And then I will supplement at times whatever he says on the subject. And then we'll deal with uh, one scripture at a time and one subject at a time. So to give you an idea of the six subjects, go ahead. What is the first one? What yes, is- so the first one uh, is our understanding of depravity from birth, uh, the, our state when we are born. Uh, the second one is uh, we're going to mention a couple of examples of disobedient children uh, in the Bible. The third one, it will be uh, subjection of children to parents, uh, the way uh, God commands uh, children to be subject to uh, their parents. Uh, The fourth one will be biblical discipline. Uh, What is our responsibility before God? uh, How to handle uh, the discipline of our children? Uh, The fifth one will be uh, couple of verses on consequences for unpunished and unrepentant sins. And then the sixth one will be uh, the church involvement as one body of Christ. What is the duty of the church as one body? Okay, now the first subject. Uh, repeat again, what is the first one? We'll yes. cover it now. The first subject is uh, depravity from birth. So we are going to go to the book of Romans, uh, chapter 5, verse 12. Romans 5, 12. Therefore, just as through one man sin entered into the world, and death through sin, and so death spread to all men because all sinned. Yes, so... uh, Paul, by the Holy Spirit of God, he's telling us uh, 
he's describing uh, our forefathers, uh, Adam and Eve, who through their disobedience uh, fell into this uh, sinful state. Uh, and we will read about it. Uh, now this applies to all men, because it says, uh, through one man, which is Adam, sin entered into the world, and death through sin, and so death spread to all men, because all sin. So it's uh, saying that from our birth, we inherit uh, the disobedience of Adam and Eve. Uh, Ecclesiastes 7, verse 29. Ecclesiastes 7 and verse 29. Ecclesiastes 7, 29. Behold, I have found only this, that God made men upright, but they have sought out many devices. Yes, so uh, Solomon, by the Holy Spirit of God, is telling us uh, the God-man uh, Adam, men, upright. He made him perfect, but they have sought out many devices. Uh, it's talking about we as humans are depraved and we look for ways to... Uh, they will bring us into disobedience. Many devices means treacheries. Uh, it started by coveting, then lying, then uh, murdering as Cain uh, killed his brother. So uh, th that's the way God sees at us. Uh, we are depraved, and uh, we're going to go to the book of Genesis, chapter 2, verse 15 and 17. Genesis chapter 2, 15 to 17. Genesis 2, 15. Then the Lord God took the man and put him into the Garden of Eden to cultivate it and keep it. And the Lord God commanded the man, saying, From any tree of the garden you may eat freely, but from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil you shall not eat. For in the day that you eat from it, you shall surely die. Yes, yeah, so as we read in uh, Romans 5.12, this is uh, the commandment that God gave to Adam to keep the garden, to cultivate it, to eat from the good tree, from the trees that he was uh, put there for the man to eat, but then he was forbidden to eat from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. Uh, Genesis 3, 1 to 6. Chapter 3. Verse 1 to 6. Genesis 3, verse 1. Now the serpent was more crafty than any beast of the field which the Lord God had made. And he said to the woman, Indeed, has God said you shall not eat from any tree of the garden? And the woman said to the serpent, From the fruit of the trees of the garden we may eat. But from the fruit of the tree which is in the middle of the garden, God has said you shall not eat from it or touch it lest you die. And the serpent said to the woman, You surely shall not die. For God knows that in the day you eat from it, your eyes will be opened and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. When the woman saw that the tree was good for food and that it was a delight to the eyes and that the tree was desirable to make one wise, she took from its fruit and ate and she gave also to her husband with her and he ate. And then the eyes of both of them were opened and they knew that they were naked and they sewed fig leaves together and made themselves loin coverings. Genesis 3, 1 to 7. So... As we read in uh, Romans 5.12, this is the commandment uh, that God gave to the man, and this uh, 
in Genesis 3 is where uh, it tells us about their uh, disobedience. Uh, therefore, we inherit uh, their disobedience. And we have studied this subject many times that even if we, play, uh, we, we pay close attention to the Bible, uh, in, we can see that they broke the Ten Commandments of God. We uh, have studied that subject many times. Um, we're going to go to Genesis 6, uh, verse 5. Genesis 6, 5. Then the Lord saw that the wickedness of man was great on the earth, and that every intent of the thoughts of his heart was only evil continually. Yes, so that's the, uh, the heart of man. Uh, it is said to do evil continually. And if it wasn't because of the Holy Spirit that God puts in the man, we cannot do uh, anything, which is uh, agreeable in the sight of God. Uh, Genesis 8.21. Genesis 8.21. 8.21. And the Lord smelled the soothing aroma, and the Lord said to himself, I will never again curse the ground on account of man, for the intent of man's heart is evil from his youth. And I will never again destroy every living thing as I have done. Yes. So uh, God is speaking here saying uh, that our heart from our youth is evil. And it is to do evil. That's the desire of man since we are born. Uh, parents may have noticed that their children do things that you do not teach them and they are evil uh, as hitting their brothers or uh, sometimes even cursing or yelling uh, and we do not teach them uh, to do those things so th those things are in the heart of men um, we're going to go to the book of Job uh, Job 15 14 and 16 Job 15 Job 15, 14 to 16. Job 15, 14. What is man that he should be pure, or he who is born of a woman that he should be righteous? Behold, he puts no trust in his holy ones, and the heavens are not pure in his sight. How much less one who is detestable and corrupt, man who drinks iniquity like water. Okay, so uh, again, uh, by the Holy Spirit, we know that we are not pure uh, because we are born of a woman unless we were born as Christ by the Holy Spirit of God and a woman, then we will be clean, but that, that's not the case. Uh, so God, He puts no trust in His Holy Ones and even the heavens are not pure inside. How much less we men who drink iniquity like water. So th this is the way God sees uh, men before their conversion. Uh, Job 25, 4 and 6. Job 25, 4 to 6. 25, verse 4. How then can a man be just with God? 
Or how can he be clean who is born of woman? If even the moon has no brightness and the stars are not pure in his sight, how much less man, that maggot, and the son of man, that worm? Okay, so uh, again, this is the way God sees uh, our fallen state. Uh, we cannot be just before him unless uh, we believe in the word, uh, the death of Christ on the cross. Uh, even God sees the moon and the stars as not pure. So that means uh, the moon and the stars, they do not sing. Just imagine how God sees men before his conversion uh, to be unclean, and then he calls us maggots and worms, which are nasty. So that, that's the way God sees our sins and also ourselves. Not only, God does not only hate the sin, as people say, but he also hates the person who commits uh, sin. Uh, Psalm 51, 5. Psalm 51, <coughs> verse 5. 51, 5. Behold, I was brought forth in iniquity, and in sin my mother conceived me. So after uh, committing adultery, uh, David, uh, he committed adultery with Bathsheba. Uh, he, she was a married woman. Uh, she had a husband named uh, Uriah the Hittite. So David desired... To lay with her, he sent Uriah on the front of the battlefield to, so he could be murdered, and then he, he could uh, take his uh, woman, his wife, as his wife. So after, uh, in verse 4, he recognizes his sin against God. And then in verse 5, he says, Behold, I was brought forth in iniquity, and in sin my mother conceived me. That means uh, he knew by the Holy Spirit of God that uh, he was a sinner from birth. That This does not mean uh, some people try to bash uh, King David that uh, his mother was a fornicatress or an adulterer. But this means uh, King David knew and he understood his fallen state before God and he knew about uh, Adam and Eve's uh, disobedience. Uh, Psalm 58, verse 3 and 5. Three Psalm, to five. Psalm 58, Psalm 58, 3 to 5. 58, 3. The wicked are estranged from the womb. These who speak lies go astray from birth. They have venom like the venom of a serpent, like a deaf cobra that stops up its ear so that it does not hear the voice of charmers or a skillful caster of spells. So in verse 3, the wicked are strange from the womb uh, means the fallen state of men. Uh, then he goes on to say that they speak lies, they are uh, go astray from birth, uh, they shut their eyes to the word of God, uh, they speak lies, uh, we're going to go now to the book of Isaiah, Isaiah 48, verse 8. Isaiah 48, Isaiah 48, 8. 
48.8 You have not heard, you have not known. Even from long ago, your ear has not been open, because I knew that you would deal very treacherously, and you have been called a rebel from birth. So God speaks through the prophet, uh, and he says, uh, our ear has not been opened, meaning we don't uh, listen to the word of God or the prophets of God, uh, because he knows that we will deal very treacherously, and we have been called rebels from birth. Um, Jeremiah thirteen, twenty-three. Jeremiah thirteen, twenty-three. Jeremiah thirteen, twenty-three. Can the Ethiopian change his skin, or the leopard his spots? Then you also can do good who are accustomed to do evil. So we know the answer to this is no. Can the Ethiopian change his skin? No. Or the leper, his spots, no. Then you also can do good who are accustomed to do evil. Uh, so from our birth, we are uh, accustomed to do evil. And in, unless the word of Christ, the word of the Holy Spirit, or God put his spirit on us, we cannot do anything uh, that he's pleased with. Um, Proverbs 22 Verse 15. Proverbs 22, 15. Proverbs 22, 15. Foolishness is bound up in the heart of a child. The rod of discipline will remove it far from him. So, since our birth, because it says the heart of a child, the foolishness is bound to the heart of a child. Uh, this means again that since we are born, we are depraved, uh, the rod of discipline will remove it far from him. Uh, now some people may think it sounds harsh or it's, uh, but this is the word of God. It's saying that we should uh, use the rod on the, ch on the child and that will remove the foolishness from his heart. Uh, before moving on to the next verse. It does not say, Proverbs twenty two fifteen does not say, time out, time in the bedroom, do some chores. It doesn't say anything like that. It, it doesn't even say, well, he, he just was hungry, so let him eat something. It doesn't say some, anything like that. It says, the rod of discipline will remove it far from him. The child needs the rod, not any of the other inventions of men, <clears throat> which are earthly, natural, and demonic, according to James 3.15. If it's foolishness, manifested foolishness, there's nothing else. The rod of discipline. And when the rod is employed, it will remove it, the foolishness, far from him. And typically what happens is the rod is not used. And if it is used, it is used in a very mild way so that the child takes it as a tap or a minor inconvenience if it hurt him a little bit, a minor inconvenience, 
but not something that was so memorable that he never repeats the same foolishness. That should not happen. It should be memorable, painful enough to remove the desire to repeat the same foolishness. And both father and mother need to do this, not just the father, but mother also. The reluctance is usually with the mother, sometimes also with the father, but (laughs) typically it is the mother. But there should be equality between father and mother. All spankings should not be in the hands of the father. Or wait till your father gets home and you're going to get it. That kind of statement should not be made. Well, I'm alone with my children all day, so they take advantage of me. Well, that's because you let them take advantage of you. If they, if they are with you all day, they should know to obey you all day and not wait for father to come home for them to start obeying. It should be mutual. There should be consensual understanding as to what is right and what is wrong. And then whenever they do wrong, how it's going to be approached. There should be unity in doing so. So also, uh, if we allow our children to do this, if one parent punishes and the other one doesn't, he can, in the mind of, uh, of the child, can, he can say, oh, dad is evil, mom is better, or the other way, mom is evil, and that is better. Or like Pastor, he said, uh, wait till your dad comes home. And then they'll start uh, in their mind having this thinking that, or one chastises me lightly and the other one doesn't. So it needs to be equal. Uh, Ecclesiastes 8, verse 11. Ecclesiastes 8, 11. Ecclesiastes 8, 11. Because the sentence against an evil deed is not executed quickly, therefore the hearts of the sons of men among them are given fully to do evil. Yes, so we are to be quick on punishing the sin of the child uh, because the sentence against an evil deed is not executed quickly. We need to speak and then do not use empty threats, it needs to be done. Uh, if we don't do that, therefore the hearts of the sons of men among them are given to fully, fully to do evil, so they will become e- more evil every time that we do not uh, address the uh, sin. On the swiftness or quickness of executing punishment, it should happen whenever the disobedience is occurring, not five minutes later, ten minutes later, not letting the child rant and rave, pout, and behave in very unruly ways, and then you punish. When it starts, that's when the child should know it must be stopped immediately. And when the child does not stop immediately because the parents are not expecting it, then it gets out of hand. It needs to be nipped in the bud. It needs to be handled quickly. They should know right from right, wrong from wrong. They should know the difference, what is right, what is wrong. And it's not difficult. It's not difficult for them to know that when they don't get their way, they cannot start crying. They cannot start 
jumping and running away or pouting, creating a scene on the floor. They should not be doing things like that. They should know that that kind of a, re a reaction to the parents saying no is wrong. And they should never behave that way. And how will they know? Well, the punishment needs to be immediate whenever they begin to behave that way. Don't let them continue for a minute or five minutes behaving that way and then you do something. Stop it immediately. Uh, Ecclesiastes 9 verse 3. Ecclesiastes 9 3. This is an evil in all that is done under the sun, that there is one fate for all men. Furthermore, the hearts of the sons of men are full of evil, and insanity is in their hearts throughout their lives. Afterwards, they go to the dead. Okay, so uh, as we read throughout the verses, it says that the uh, heart of, men, of the sons of men are full of evil, and insanity is in their hearts throughout their lives. Sometimes you may speak to the child uh, on the same subject two or three times. And uh, we, we had a question uh, on our Bible study this week. Uh, the question was made, uh, I just spanked the child for, for this sin. Should I spank him again for the same sin? And the answer is yes. Because sometimes it can seem like you are speaking goes one ear in, the other ear out. So they need to be punished. Uh, afterwards, they go to the dead. Do we want our children to be, to grow to be disobedient? We all will die. We do not know where they're going. So we need to instruct them in the fear of the Lord. That way when they go to the dead, when they die, uh, we don't have this worry that we didn't do our work properly. And it don't it doesn't it's not up to us after they grow they grow. So let's do this and hope that they will be a repentant sinners that they, when they die that we can have a peace of mind the saying, at least I did my part, what was uh, I supposed to do what I read that it was supposed to be done. Uh, Matthew seven 17 to 20. Matthew chapter 7. Matthew chapter 7, 7, 17 to 20. Matthew 7, 17. Even so, every good tree bears good fruit, but the rotten tree bears bad fruit. A good tree cannot produce bad fruit, nor can a rotten tree produce good fruit. Every tree that does not bear good fruit is cut down and thrown into the fire. So then, you will know them, by their fruits. So look at the the way your children behaves. Uh, you will know them by their fruits. So if the child is behaving in a bad way, you should uh, reprove him for that, chastise him. Uh, a good tree cannot produce bad fruit, nor can a bad tree produce good fruit. So you will know them by their fruits. Uh, you will see the behavior of your children. You will know if they are either obeying his parents or not. It will be obvious. 
And now we're going to go to examples in the Bible. We're just going to mention them. Uh, disobedient children. Uh, we just read Adam and Eve. Uh, they disobeyed God, so they uh, fall from their, uh, into a sinful state. Cain and Abel. Uh, for sure, Adam and Eve didn't teach Cain to murder. But he uh, murdered his brother, Abel. Uh, Lot's daughters. Uh, they make him drunk and they they lay with him uh but it was not lot's fault the call uh the bible calls lot a righteous lot so we know by this statement that the daughters were uh, wicked and they uh got uh gave him uh wine and got him drunk we have the example of uh, ishmael and isaac which ishmael will uh cause trouble to Isaac he will persecute him we have the example of Jacob and Esau even from the mother's womb uh, God loved one and hated the other one Joseph's brothers uh, they sold him to uh, uh, traitors uh, to slavery we have the uh, Ophni and Phineas they were sons of a priest Eli and they were disobedient. They used to lay with the woman of the temple. Now, in the case of Eli or Eli, the priest and his sons, he just said, according to 1 Samuel 2.22, that they were committing adultery. First yes. Samuel 2.22. Now, Eli was very old and he heard all that his sons were doing to all Israel and how they lay with the women who served at the doorway of the tent of meeting. That was one of their sins. Another one of their sins is in chapter 2, 1 Samuel 2, 12 to 17. 2, 12 to 17. Now the sons of Eli were worthless men. They did not know the Lord and the custom of the priests with the people. When any man was offering a sacrifice, the priest's servant would come while the meat was boiling with a three-pronged fork in his hand. Then he would thrust it into the pan or kettle or cauldron or pot. All that the fork brought up, the priest would take for himself. Thus they did in Shiloh to all the Israelites who came there. Also, before they burned the fat, the priest's servants would come and say to the man who was sacrificing, Give the priest meat for roasting, as he will not take boiled meat from you, only raw. And if the man said to him, They must surely burn the fat first, and then take as much as you desire. Then he would say, No, but you shall give it to me now, and if not, I will take it by force. Thus, the sin of the young men was very great before the Lord, for the men despised the offering of the Lord. The commentary in verse 17, the sin of the young man was very great before the Lord, for the men despised the offering of the Lord. But what did they do? They mishandled the sacrifices. They exploited the sacrifices for their own personal bellies. For their belly, they were exploiting the sacrifices of the Lord. Do we consider that a big sin? Would we consider a parallel to that today a big sin? 
But here it says it's very great. They despise the offering of the Lord. And then we also read 1 Samuel 2.22, how they were committing adultery. Now for that sin, maybe somebody might take action. But even today, people are very soft with pastors on this sin. Very soft. You can lose the pulpit for a month or two, maybe three months or four months, but then you'll get it back. And you'll be paid and you can go on vacation meantime, paid vacation for three, four months. This is the kind of thing that happens, right? Okay, so we're talking about how Eli the father mishandled this. Let's continue, 1 Samuel 2, 23. And he said to them, why do you do such things? The evil things that I hear from all these people. No, my sons, for the report is not good, which I hear the Lord's people circulating. If one man sins against another, God will mediate for him. But if a man sins against the Lord, who can intercede for him? But they would not listen to the voice of their father, for the Lord desired to put them to death. They wouldn't listen to the verbal rebuke of Eli. Now, 1 Samuel chapter 3. 1 Samuel 3. 1 Samuel 3, 13 and 14. 1 Samuel 3, 13. The Lord is speaking. For I have told him that I am about to judge his house forever for the iniquity which he knew, because his sons brought a curse on themselves, and he did not rebuke them. And therefore I have sworn to the house of Eli that the iniquity of Eli's house shall not be atoned for by sacrifice or offering forever. It says in 3.13, he did not rebuke them. But we just read from chapter 2 that verbally he did rebuke them. But does God mean that Eli did not verbally rebuke them? No. He means that Eli did not physically rebuke them. And how do we know that God means he did not physically rebuke him? If you have a Bible with footnotes, cross-references for 1 Samuel 3.13, you will note that the Bible itself, the editors of the Bible, not us, the editors of the Bible understand 1 Samuel 3.13, he did not rebuke them to mean he did not physically rebuke them. So then we have to ask, what was the physical rebuke that these sons should have deserved from Eli investigating everything and the elders of the people investigating everything and making a conclusion or a sentence that they were indeed criminals. What did they deserve? Your cross-references will point to Deuteronomy 17.12. So what is it? Deuteronomy 17.12. And the man who acts presumptuously by not listening to the priest who stands there to serve the Lord your God, nor to the judge, that man shall die. Thus you shall purge the evil from Israel. 13. Then all the people will hear and be afraid and will not act presumptuously again. Hophni and Phinehas deserved the death penalty 
They deserved the death penalty. And Eli did not pursue it. The verbal rebuke was insufficient. It needed to have a physical rebuke and also a lesson for all the people to learn from it. Now, as for his or or their adultery, Deuteronomy 22, Deuteronomy 22, 22, Deuteronomy 22, 22. If a man is found lying with a married woman, then both of them shall die. The man who lay with the woman and the woman, thus you shall purge the evil from Israel. Adulterer and adulteress ought to be put to death. Eli knew this law. Then we go to the next cross-reference in 1 Samuel 3.13. Your editors will have given Deuteronomy 21.18. Deuteronomy 21.18 to 21. Deuteronomy 21.18. If any man has a stubborn and rebellious son who will not obey his father or his mother, and when they chastise him, he will not even listen to them, Then his father and mother shall seize him and bring him out to the elders of his city at the gateway of his hometown. And they shall say to the elders of his city, This son of ours is stubborn and rebellious. He will not obey us. He is a glutton and a drunkard. Then all the men of his city shall stone him to death. So you shall remove the evil from your midst and all Israel shall hear of it and fear. The death penalty was the proper physical punishment Eli did not employ to properly rebuke his two sons. The main point we're making is there was physical, corporal punishment he refused to enact against his sons. Just the verbal wasn't enough. Even when they were adults, the verbal was not enough. So when they are children... It takes the physical punishment, the spanking. Okay, these are the examples, a few from Scripture. Okay, that ends our first session. We'll pick up after the break.